Hi, I'm Tony Red. I'd like to welcome you to the Red Room. Unsung musicians behind the headline legends. Today I have a very special guest. He is an American composer, producer, multi-talented instrumentalist. He hails from Hartford, Connecticut. He's a former member of the legendary Earth, Wind & Fire. I know by now y'all know who I might be talking about. The one and only maestro, Mo Pleasure. <laughs> hey I'm Mo. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm actually um, I'm at a truck stop somewhere in the Mobile, Alabama on a, a drive down to Miami from uh, from Baton Rouge. So, oh man! And then you just have a show in Florida. I just did, yeah. I just did with uh, P Funk with uh, George Clinton. Oh, yeah, Parliament. Yeah, Mono Neon, and it was a big festival. Um, and this kid, um, this guy, this guy named Taz um, Niederauer, who's an incredible guitar player. It was like I'm in charge. I'm a music director on on one of the stages down there. Wow. Like the Okeechobee, yeah, Okeechobee Music and Arts Fest was huge. Like. Bottom roof, I think. And, um, yeah, so that was cool. I got to be on stage with P-Funk, which was amazing. Oh, man, I bet that was, I bet you had a, a blast. <laughs> oh, yeah, all day, rehearsal, everything. It was, it was just fun, yeah. Okay, let me ask you a question. You know, back in the day, you know, one of the cats wore a diaper. Did he, was he wearing a diaper? You know, yeah, you know, we didn't have a diaper on, on stage, but we did have a, a man in a dress <laughs> um, with, a, um, with a jock strap. Wow! <laughs> so you can see all his, all his, uh, you know, possessions when he turned around and stuff. So that was cool. <laughs> you know, Mo. First of all, uh, let me just say this, and I've never told you this, and I've never told you, you know, when I saw you, but you, um, I, when I when I thought about doing this podcast, you were one of the first people I wanted to do it because I also wanted to thank you because you. You came into my life at a very important time. You know, I had just lost my mom, and you, you know, and I told you, yeah, it was horrible, and you, you didn't know how bad I was grieving, um, but my family did, and you kind of helped me get through that grieving period by letting me come over, you know, uh, producing, um, uh, catching the red eye, writing together, you know, just hanging out, you know, when I would come to your studio, instead of going right into the studio, you know, you would cook for me, you would be grilling, you know, we have a glass of wine, and you don't know how much you helped me heal during that process, and that's why you will always have a very special part in my heart, because you were there for me, and you didn't even, and I've never told you that, so I want to tell you that right now. That really touches me. Thank you so much, Tony. I mean, that was, um, I mean, for me too, you know, you were, we were, we were always, we were like seeing each other about every day, every other day or something. Like I that. know. That and was uh, awesome. And I do, I remember about your mother and I do remember that being a hard time. It was a hard time for me as, as I remember, um, and I, I can say the same thing, you know, all that creativity and fun and food and all that kind of stuff was really, you know, really helpful to me during that time period. So I thank you back. Oh, that's so sweet. You know, that means a lot to me. Um, but, you know, it was just awesome because you, you helped me heal through that period. And I like, I liked your process of, you know, the create, uh, the, uh, the creative process, how you would, like, not let's just jump into the studio. Let's just, how's your day? Well, you hungry? I'm, I, I was thinking about, you know, doing some grilling and let's, let's have some wine. And then, 
Then I'm like, oh man, this is so cool. I'm hanging out with the great Mo Pleasure, breaking bread in the studio, and it was a very special moment in time that I, you know, I know a lot of people don't get a chance to work with you in that, you know, in that way. I feel very blessed, and it was an honor, and just thank you so. Okay, so man, so it's funny you just just came off the uh, the gig with Parliament Funkadelic, the great George Clinton. That's amazing. Okay, so you know, yeah, it's amazing. So in reading your bio, I learned so much more about you. I remember, you know, when you were um, the MD for um, Earth Wind and Fire, and it's funny because I had heard your name, of course. Over and over and over and over. You don't know more. You don't know more. I'm like, I never, I never had the honor. And everybody, you know, you are just so revered, you know, as a musician, as a person, as a great talent in this industry. And so many people love you. And I felt left out. I'm like, darn, I don't know more. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was... So that was just great, you know. Yeah, I know. That was awesome. But, you know, it, like I said, in reading your bio, I did not know you started out playing uh, with the Ray Charles Orchestra playing bass. I mean, that's one of your first gigs. That was That's phenomenal. Yeah, that was amazing. I, just, I was still in college, you know. I was still, um, they, they came and played up at, at my school. Wow. Ray Charles played. Um, I was in University of Connecticut. And after the show, I just went backstage, like, you know. I'm going to try and, you know, talk to some musicians and see how do you get a gig, like, you know, I was just literally a kid, you know, coming out of school, I was in, actually engineering, I was doing music stuff and I was playing in bands and stuff, but I was, uh, my parents were educators and they were, they were like, you have to get a degree in something that you can get a, you know, a job in, so it was, I was an electrical engineering major. Wow. And, um, yeah, so I went backstage and I ended up seeing, running into this guy, Clifford Solomon, who's kind of a legend now, uh, he was a sax player and um, music director, and he gave me the, uh, I, I was just like, hey, how do you get a gig like this? And um, he gave me the address, he, he was like, send it to this address right here, you know, out in LA, and I went into the studio for the first time in my life, and did this tape, sent it out, didn't think more of it, and I was just, I was just back in school again, one day I got a call from Ray. Wow. You know, asked, asked me to come out. After you passed out, you came to. You passed out, you came to. And Ray Charles. <laughs> Tony, no. You have no idea. Like, I was literally, like, uh, looking down the hallway of my dorm to see who was playing a trick on me. You know, I thought it was, I was an all-guys dorm. We used to, you know, pretend to be the radio station, giving away prizes. And stuff, and just, you know, go down the hall and, you know, laugh at folks. And stuff. So I thought someone was playing a prank, actually, literally. Wow. So I was kind of like, no, who's, who is this? You know, kind of thing. And I'm looking, back in that's when phones had cords on them, you know, mm -hmm. looking down the hallway. And, uh, no, sure enough, it was the man himself. So, um, yeah. there's a little more to the story, but it, I did end up, um, you know, going auditioning for him and touring with him. That, and, and that was like one of your, just coming right out of college, one of your first, so that was just, you know, setting you up, getting you ready for, you know, the biggest gigs in the world. Okay, now, tell me how you got the, the job with EWF, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, the fire was the great George Duke. You and I know, you and I actually did a uh, tribute to George. Yes, we did. Um, it was, I had to work with George, Najee had, had um, taken me out to the East Coast, East Coast, uh, West Coast, uh, on a tour. They were doing like these tours where they'd have more than one artist and um, each artist would bring part of some of their band members. So 
uh, Najee took myself and my big brother Ron. He's recently just passed away. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Hear that. Guitarist. Yeah, and um, we went out there, and uh, George Duke was into us, and, and this and that, and um, he was saying to me, like, you man, you should come out here. You, should, you could work in L.A., you know, with the way you play, and this and that. So I, I moved out to L.A., you know, on George's recommendation. Um, I'd always wanted to do it, but I, I packed up and moved out there, and uh, it just happened that Earth, Wind & Fire was reforming in 1993. Um, they had been on a hiatus, and they... We're putting the band back together. You know, Sonny was, was in the band and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And um, um, so they were like trying to reform it out in LA. And I, George, and another friend of mine who was friends with Philip Bailey, kind of hooked me up with him. And he came over to my house, and um, you know, I was starstruck like a mug. Wait, just, Philip Bailey came uh, over to your house? <laughs> he came over to wow. my, my little dumb little farmhouse I was living out out in LA, and. Um, I just was like, I, just, I was speechless. I didn't even know what to say because <laughs> the, the original connection was that he and I were supposed to do some writing for his album. So I just hit it right. Next time I heard from him, he was like, well, we're putting Earth, Wind, Fire together. We want to know if you want to do it. And that's how, that's how it happened. That is pure destiny. See, I think, I guess yeah. the day that you were born, all the angels got together and decided to make, just kidding, all the lines, <laughs> all the lines, all the stars just lined up. That's, Man, yeah. woo! Philip Bader came over to your house. Yeah. Woo -wee. yeah it, was, it, it was really, um, it was something, you know, I do believe in that, you know, Tony, like, I do believe in that kind of like, you know, putting it out there and letting the universe take, take it. Right? Yeah. I think you and I might have written a song to that effect, something. But, um, yeah, the, um, my whole career has kind of been that way, you know, like, um, I'm actually in the middle of writing a book, an, autobi an autobiography. Wow. In 40 years. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and um, in the business, you should. So, uh, well, thank you, thank you. I mean, I don't know if anybody's gonna read it. But oh, I'm trust gonna, me, it's a lot of people gonna read it. A lot of people are gonna read it. Oh, that's cool. I sure hope so. I hope so. But um, yeah, every, I mean, it's just been a big adventure, like one to the other, you know. Um, and they've all happened that way. And like, uh, when you least expect it, you know, something would show up just out of nowhere, you know, mm -hmm. kind of sideways or. Somebody saw you playing with somebody else, and so you just never know where well it's going to take you, where life's going to take you, you know, as a musician especially. Yeah, you just keep that faith, and and you know, it. I guess it yeah. doesn't help if you're one of the most respected musicians in the freaking music industry when your name is Mo Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, I appreciate that, Tony. You know, it's, to me, I was just trying to do the work. I was really, um, you know, just very driven. You know, and like you know, even uh, even in business and stuff like that, and charities, and I, st I still am to some extent. Probably I've slowed down a little bit. I got a little bit older, but um, I'm still out there. I'm kind of like you know, if there's something happening, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. You know, um, and that's it. And I just just very fortunate to get some really good gigs. Yeah, I, yeah, you're very blessed. I tell you that much. Okay, so you man, you just played with some giants, and that's because you know God would you know was creating you to be the giant as well. But you know, I want to hear about some of your you know musical journeys with these people because these people are like the icons in the industry. Okay, so you got the gig with Bette Midler. Tell me how that all came about. And, um, you know, just how how was your experience? And did you do the tour or did you do her residency? Which one were you on and were you on both? I came into Bet's um, 2015 Divine Intervention Tour. Okay. 
Um, and Sonny Emery was the man. Sonny oh boy. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, that's, you know, our, our good friend. Um, he told me that Ben was looking for a music director, piano player, music director, um, and uh, that he put my name into that. And so I sure enough heard from them. Of course, you're Sonny Emery. You know, recognize you for something. You're definitely gonna hear from us, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, cause, you know. right. So, and I went up there about this, and you know, it was crazy. There were like only three people, um, and I walk in the room, and um, I'm up in New York. It happened to be like the coldest day in history in New York. It was freezing, and I literally forgot my. Um, I was so excited um, and so nervous. I forgot my jacket. I didn't bring a winter jacket. No, you <laughs> did not. Not in New York in the wintertime. Okay. <laughs> Like, you were excited. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she, she later thought I was crazy for doing that. But <laughs> I, she was, I just walked in, there was a piano, and her, and um, one other very famous, Mark Shane, who's a very famous um, uh, Broadway guy, you know, songwriter. Mm-hmm. And they, she's on one side of the piano, he's on the other one. It was this upright, this green upright piano, I'll never forget it. And she was just like, okay, try this, play this. Okay, how about this? How about this? It was just like that. We were just talking and we kind of got along. And um, I said to her, and I noticed that her music was like really out of order because she had uh, all these just, um, just uh, cases of music just everywhere. It was like, you know, five different versions of a song and some things were missing, this kind of thing. So and I said to her, I said, well, look, uh, they, were, they were getting ready to hire like the Library of Congress person to come in and pay them sort out the music. I said, look, if you hire me, I'll come through here and I'll straighten out all your music for you too. <laughs> so, maybe that's what, maybe that helped me out. But uh, I went back home and next thing they know, they're like, well, they, they want you to come fly back up to New York. You got the gig. Um, so just you and Ben, Ben just wants the two of you to work. Um, so I went back up there and um, actually, you know something, that when I went back is when I forgot my, my jacket. Okay. And we were, we were in one room, her studio, um, which when I say studio, it's like a dance studio. Like, mm-hmm. uh, her husband is a, um, teaches martial arts there. So, so um, we were in there, just the two of us, in the coldest days of winter, locked in, just uh, going through music, trying things out, playing through songs, and then trying to you know, start the show. We ended up putting the whole show together, and the band wow. was incredible. Hiring so- most of the band, you know, because we had, we had a new band, and... The tour was just unbelievable. It was one of the best tours I've ever done. I know it was. I I can't. Oh man, you know, um, I had a gig in Las Vegas at at you know one time at the same time when she had a residency, and I reached out to Sonny, and he he got me some orchestra seats, um, and uh, so I got to see him play with Bette and her whole show, and it was freaking phenomenal. You know, she's just the ultimate. Entertainer is what she is. So, man, that experience that that's that's incredible. That was a huge feather in your cap, and the fact that she got to play with you was also phenomenal. Because I mean, you know, she was so gracious. She really was. You know, she would tell the audience, you know, this is my musical director, and you know, watch out for him, and um, you'll, you'll see him around, and all this kind of stuff. She was, it was wonderful working with her. I mean, it was it was challenging. Um, but it was, I think she and I both like a challenge, and it was it worked well together. But also with uh, Tony, um, uh, Tony Basil was our, our choreographer. Really? Yeah. Do you remember, remember, uh, hey, Mickey, you so of, of course. <laughs> hey, Mickey, uh, you know, I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, that's... she was the choreographer. She was incredible. 
incredible, incredible. I mean, like, she would come up with things on top of her head. You know, I saw, you know, that would, uh, that kind of got used to it because she would say, uh, okay, I want this song by tomorrow, or choreography and everything. And we would literally slap, you know, we had a full band with two guitar players, five horn players, three singers, you know, Sonny on drums, percussions, me and Daryl Smith on keyboards. Sam wow. on bass, you know, um, so the, it was smoking. The whole, oh, I know it was smoking, and I and I bet you all had so much fun. Oh, oh. man, How, let me let me ask you a question. I know that you know a few times I've been out on the road. You know, it's like we spend so much time together, we become a family, and then once the you know the gig is over or whatever it's over, then you know you feel you know you don't see those people every day like you used to and talk to them, and you kind of miss them. So how? how how does that affect you? Because you have played with so many great units and, you know, made such uh, lifelong friendships. And then all of a sudden, once the tour is over, that person may take on another tour. You take it and then you're gone. How, do, how, is, how does that affect you? Well, you know, of course it, it affects you. You know, we miss those people and you, you've been close to them. Um, but, you know, you see them again and again and again. Yeah. Know, like, uh, most people like say Sam or Sonny or something, I can't even name how many gigs we've been on together. And then, you know, we're, we're in, living in the same town and all that. Ricardo Jordan, you know, Little Rick Jordan. Yeah, I know. Little John, you know, I still see Little John on gigs. We, we, we do go down to Barbados and do the all-star gigs or this kind of thing, you know. Um, and then on the West Coast, you know, I, you know the thing about me was I've, I've lived in different parts of the country. I've lived on the East Coast, um, like doing the New York thing. Um which was a big part of my career. I've done the L.A. thing which twice, which was a huge part. The ATL, where I met you, you know, so Atlanta. Now I'm in London, so. I know. It's been great network-wise. And, and as technology has changed things in terms, of, in terms of, like, the Internet and social media and how people are connected, um, the world is really, really small, you know. Very, you know, as you, you too, we, we know a lot of people in Japan and Europe and all, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's... Uh, it's just like a big family, and it's something like, um, I know my, my real sister sometimes probably doesn't like it so much, but if I'm talking to somebody, it's always like, you know, it's my brother Sam, and it's my nephew, this person, and, you know, the new music, musicians coming up are like my nephews, and right. nieces, stuff like that, and it's really, really is a family, I do really believe that, and it's, um, it is. you know, so it's, it's, a, it's a beauty, beautiful thing, really. Yeah, I mean, you, you have the family that you were born into, and you have the family that you choose. So, it's all family. It's all love. Okay, now, you and George Duke were really close. Y'all had a great friendship, and you played with him. And I know he was a great loss in your life. Tell, tell me a little bit about, you know, the friendship you had with him and playing with him and you know, all of that good stuff. Wow, Tony, you know, I mean, first of all, he, he was a a monster and you know I, I realized that even when I was a kid you know so I was like a huge fan of his I walk in the room for the first time and I see this monstrous keyboard setup it's only two keyboards but they're two big ones and it's on this this thing that moves so that he can like push it around you know and he's got these huge speakers with this incredible sound coming out and all these program sounds and I'm setting to my little Ricky big uh, keyboards <laughs> you know, and just trying to like, you know, plink, plink on my little thing and, you know, my little speakers and stuff. And, uh, and then Billy, I'll never forget this, Billy Kilson, um, was the drummer, incredible drummer. He was, uh, he looked at me and, uh, he looked at George and we used to call George Big Daddy. 
know, everybody in the industry called him Big Daddy. Yeah, Big he Daddy. Goes, <laughs> he goes, Big Daddy. And then he looks at me and goes, Little Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Like I just, I was at his house, you know, I was like doing um, stuff with him. He'd call me for sessions. You know, I was kind of like, George Lucas calling me for sessions? What, you, know? you are more pleasure now, come on. <laughs> well, you know, I was just a kid that was, had just moved to L.A. and was like trying to get some work. And then here's the man, you know, like calling me um, to, to play Everett Hart's records. Oh, I love Everett Hart. Yeah, Everett's awesome, you know. So I was like in the, I just like was so lucky I got into that click, you know, um, um, Larry Kempel, Everett Harp, and uh, Ray Fuller, and, um, you know, all the, all those, Michael White, and all that, and then all of them, Everett Harp ended up recommending me for Marcus Miller, and, oh. I, you know, uh, Michael White brought me into Maze, I was in Maze for about a year, mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, all those connections ended up taking me other places, um, and uh, I'm very, very grateful for that, and all those people. Man, and, and and I know you loved him, and I know his death was hard for everybody, but I know it was not really hard for you because he was really, really your friend and and kind of like mentor. Yeah. Wow. He was. My manager, I call him my musical dad. Oh. And, uh, I, was, um, I was talking to Rochelle. You know, with Rochelle. I know, because I, I want to talk about her. Yeah. Yeah. So we can just segue on into the incredible, what, eight, seven, eight octave range Rochelle for real. Okay, yeah. go. <laughs> and an incredible pianist. Yes, ooh. <laughs> the, the, she is just um, so bad all the way around. She is, and she's so, um, she as a human being, um, she's really amazing too. A lot of people don't really know her, but she and I were really good friends for a long time, and, um, she's very giving, um, and very, uh, wise. Yes. Very and very spiritual, so mm -hmm. like, you know, she just, um, we end up sometimes after the show, we all, a bunch of us in the band end up going up to her room and just uh, talking about life and stuff like that, you know, a lot of these bands uh, be like, okay, the, the hang after the show is like really as important as the show for us. Oh yeah, so <laughs> yeah. We get off the stage after Wrecking House, we're like, are we going to buy or Rochelle or somebody, and be like, oh, okay, see you at the room, you know, and we, um, pe pe that would be our, you know. I tried to, you know, I was, I mean, when I was early in my career, it'd be like, let's go to the club, you know, kind of thing, you know. And then after a while, it's kind of like you really enjoyed the fact that they get back in your place and hanging out with the people that you want to hang out with. So, uh, Rochelle was, um, was, I really, uh, had high, high respect for her, not just musically, but as a person. Yeah, and you know, and I can just imagine that. Now, I never got to see you play with Rochelle, but I can just imagine the two of you guys on stage because, first of all, I know it's it's not tense, but intense, because both of you all are very meticulous as far as what you play and how you hear things, and, and just this is just my humble opinion, and you have a specific way of, of, of delivering your gift, and you know, it, it has to be right, and so I, can, I, I just wish, you know, I had had an opportunity to see, you know, you play with her. And her with you, because I know it would just blew, just blew up the world. <laughs> well, I tell you what, we're both still here. I know. I really want to see that because I thought about. It, I'm like, oh my goodness. I, I tell you what, I know that would be some orgasmic stuff going on there with the two of y'all on the stage. Oh lord. I got some stories. I, I know stories. you do. You know. I, I mean, know you uh, do. I remember 
one time she fell in my arms. Like I'll never forget it. I was um uh it's an absolutely true story. She fainted and I caught her right in the middle of I was playing the piano and just something we were connected. We were very connected. So like when we did stuff together and you, you know how it is with right. singers and piano players. Oh yeah. But you know, I had my connection with Natalie, you know, we had our our way of kind of how we did our stuff and Roberta and all kind of stuff. Yeah. With respect um Sometimes we would get to a place and I, I would be thinking like, even stuff I played, I'd go like, wow, who played that? But then, you know, like she just had a way of bringing out something. And this particular time, we were at the, um, what was the spot up in, in, in um, D.C.? Uh, Blue's Alley. Right? Yeah, Blue's Alley. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard her, I heard her sing a note and something. I just played a chord and I don't know, I felt something like ultimate connection, like, whoa. Wow. That was a moment. And she, I looked to my right, and I saw her falling towards me, and I just literally put my arms out and caught her. So she actually fainted on the stage? She fainted into my arms. Okay, and then what happened? Did the show have to stop? I mean, what happened? No, the show did not stop. We like, it was like almost, you know, we looked like we choreographed it or something. <laughs> so the audience so didn't know. She fell in my arms, and... um and I, I don't know, I just kind of looked at her, said a few words, so I'm like, you all right, cool, put it back up there, and we kept going. <laughs> wow, man, I, that, now that's, that's a moment, that's a moment in musical history right there. Okay, so you know, because you're naming you know, a lot of these great people that you play with, I just want to run down a few of them and then we can get back to some of your incredible stories. Okay, so we know you play with EWF, Earth, Wind & Fire, The Average White Band, um, Peter Cetera, oh my God, yeah. Natalie Cole, Roberta Flack, Janet Jackson, David yeah. Foster, oh, okay, before we leave this interview, you have got to tell us about uh, David Foster, and then, you know, of course, MJ, Michael Jackson, okay, Stanley yeah. Clark, Everett Hart, George Duke, Mary J. Blige, my girl, Shaka Khan, um, yeah. and it's just the list, you, it just goes on and on. Yeah, I was busy. I've been. I've been <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been very busy. <laughs> and um, yeah, well, well, you know, David Foster. Oh, please. Okay, give us some of your David Foster background, and and how did you get that gig? That's a that's a yeah, killer gig. Yeah, David Foster. I was recommended by um, Jr. Robinson. Okay. Um, at that point, I've been playing with um, J.R. and uh, Michael Thompson, who's a great guitarist, and they asked me to be in a band with them. I was just out in L.A. I was, what? Uh, yeah, I'll never forget. It's called Native Son, and we got an album out and everything. Uh, Bobby Watson from, um, from Shaka. Shaka, yeah. So it Bob, it's a four-piece. Me, Bobby, they had just needed, had a need for a keyboard player, and somehow they thought of me. So I did, wow. I, when I got in their gig, it was just perfect timing because great filling games, was oh. going on the road with, I think it was 2010, so he was going out on the road with um, the Michael Jackson Immortal uh, Cirque du Soleil tour. Okay. And that was always great. Whenever Greg went out on the road, that was a good time for me. <laughs> I bet it was. <laughs> you know, so uh, I, they called, they put my name in there with Foster, and the next thing I was on it. So, um, yeah, um, what a monster, David Foster. Oh, my Maybe. goodness. Whew. And a great guy. Yeah, oh, I was with him about six, five, six, seven years. So. Oh, I love him. So, okay, so tell me about being on stage with him. I mean, because he, yeah. you know, he he plays so beautifully. You know, you're incredible. How how did that mesh? I mean, how did y'all stay out of each other's way musically 
or you know, did he say just do chords? I mean, how was that? Well, we we knew our function and all that, and he was very given in that way. And he oh, he loved stuff like um, you know, let's say there because there was another keyboard player as well, Bo Cooper, who was an incredible keyboardist from Nashville. So the three of us kind of worked together, you know. So I'd be like, okay, I got strings, Bo, you got horns, boom, I'll get that bell part here. You got that lead synth thing coming here. Um, so we and, and we had to do a lot of styles with him, like uh, so. Uh, we might have Andrea Bocelli, and the next one be like Michael Bolton and then Shaka, and then you know Babyface. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> uh, yeah, so we had to do a lot of different things. Like sometimes we were playing synth, you know, like some fine cut stuff, or like operas, and the next one might be like a funk tune with Shaka, this kind of thing. And we all did, it just worked. The three of us really knew our roles, and he let us do it. We did, he was definitely uh, he knew that we could. We know what we're doing, so he was very hands off. All our programming was on point. You know, uh, we, we knew how to program the keyboards. We had, a, we also had an excellent um, Dave Polish, who was a, a great um, tech. You know, so when we showed up, whatever sound was needed, boom, it was, it was, it was right there. We knew the parts. You know, we did Sting one time. Sting. Oh my God, Sting! Yeah, it was Sting. We did oh. in the. Uh, um, some country, we did the country artists and all that, Miley Cyrus and Lionel Richie. And so, like, every time you, you, we play with him, you never knew exactly who it was going to be or it could be anybody. And one thing that I did notice is that, um, uh, and I've got a lot of footage of just, you know, around the piano, all the, uh, artists, you know, following his lead and him, you know, telling them, let's take this down a step. How about you take that part, Shaka? You do that too. Andre, you come, you know, this kind of thing. And, Everybody listens. <laughs> I never saw anybody question David Foster on anything, <laughs> <laughs> including us. Like he said, wow. Not that I was supposed to be a C sharp on that. He's like, yes, sir. Yeah. You know, you know so, um, just a monster. I, mean, I, he's, um, I definitely modeled like, parts of my life after, after the way he does things. Well, he's definitely a great role model, but so are you. Because, you know, um, it's just the truth. And, okay, now, okay, right before we get to, you know, my, my, my main, oh, my God, Michael Jackson, I want to ask you another question. Okay, because you have been out there on the road since you were, you know, a babe just about, out there for a long time, touring with everybody, the who's who of the world, you know, musically. Um, so that means you've been gone a whole lot. How has being this musician out there doing, you know, following your passion, how has it affected, like, your your love life, your friendships, your your family relationships. I know at some point it's you know it may have taken a toll, or you want to talk about I me. Mean, how how has how has that affected you and some of your relationships? That you know, um, I've been through a few marriages. You know, um, a few marriages. Yeah, I've been through a couple marriages. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. I have I have a daughter that I missed a lot of her life because she was, grew up in Japan. My daughter Nadia, mm -hmm. I'm very proud of. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I have a daughter. I have a young daughter now. Even at this age, I have a tenth, uh, eleven month old um, named Frida. Wow! Um, Congratulations. Mother, thank you, thank you. My mother's Welsh, and um, I'm actually headed back there, um, back to the UK tomorrow. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's been you know. Uh, probably, you know, relationships, and the good, good thing I have to say is that from most of my, even most of my exes, I'm still friends with even, you know, like I'm not, uh, may not be talking to them all the time, but you know Lori and Lori. And oh, yeah, Lori. Okay. Yeah, Lori, 
or just she's just wonderful and um so we, we still are you know always in touch and um helping each other but um it definitely has taken its toll in terms of that even in terms of not seeing my my family family um you know my mom and my um you know my cousins and nieces and all that kind of stuff because i grew up where we we knew all of them like all my cousins down in louisiana that's kind of like right where i just came from um we all knew each other and we, you know all of us were the same age we spent summers with each other and all, yeah. all that kind of stuff and adult life it was hard but at the same time because i was on the road i got to see a lot of people yes uh, because i was always touring so i'd be like yeah i'm coming into town you know um um, so that's that's always been the case. I don't do that so much anymore, but um, it, it's been it's been it's definitely taken its toll. Or I will say, I've let it take its toll, and it's a hard one. Well, you know, it's your life's journey. You know, music is your passion. You know, like I said, when you were born, the angels got together, aligned all the stars. This is what you were supposed to do. That's why you have done it, and that's why you're still doing it. And, you know, you have loved ones, but trust me, they are so proud of you and sending you love like we all are and just following, you know, watching you continue to be more pleasure doing the doggone thing like no no other. So, you know, it's nothing but love. And um, I was just wondering about that because, you know, this industry is it's a tough industry to be in. And people see you, you know, all your successes and accomplishments and they be like, oh, man, it must be so-and-so to be him. Wow. But they don't understand the sacrifices and everything that you have to go through to, you know, attain that stuff. So, you know, I just want to give you a shout out for your courage, your devotion and your dedication to keep going. God bless you, Tony. Thank yeah. you so much. It's, you know, I, it's an honor to be here. It's, so, it's an honor and, and a pleasure to talk to an old friend again. I really, really miss you. Well, I miss you too, you know, because, you know, like like I said, you, you were there for me and you're still there for me because you, you're doing my little <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and I appreciate you so much. Okay, so now, let's talk about the one and only, Michael Jackson. How did you get that, you know, gig? I know you got the call. And, you know, what what channels did you have to go through to be, because you're on This Is It. I mean, you, you were with him before he, you know, got his wings. So I want to hear all about that and how it affected you because, you know, I know you were expecting this whirlwind tour like we all were, and then it didn't happen. So tell us a little bit about that and how all of that impacted your life. First, but first... How did you get that call in that gig, and you know how did you become to be on This Is It? Yeah, Tony, it was um, <laughs> well, one experience. I, you know, something I had never been in all of my career without with all my my resume and all this. I have never been one to call somebody and say, "Hey, by the way, you know, I'm I'm available." This app, you know, I've never been somebody to solicit myself for gig, you know, mm-hmm. for myself. So, um, Lori, my ex-wife, knew her that. Um, Michael was going out. She heard that Michael Bearden was going to be the music director. Mm-hmm. And that's some Michael Bearden, I've known him since the 80s. I mean, like, we were literally uh, doing the same gigs. You know, we were kind of like interchangeable. He's from uh, Chicago. I'm from New England, Connecticut. But we were playing with, you know, Najee and, and um, uh, Angie Bofill and Neil Pointer and Tom, you know, all those kind of acts that were doing, doing the thing back in the 80s, late 80s. Uh, we see each other all the time, so we, you know, and then we ended up on actually Rochelle. We played together as, as well as a bunch of other gigs. But um, I never thought to like call him and ask him, you know, let say, hey, by the way, I heard you. But um, as it turned out, somebody else from the Michael Jackson band, Mike McKnight, who's a friend of mine, he does um, 
all the uh, like a lot of tech stuff for for um, all the top acts. He calls me up and he well, no, he sent me an email about something completely different. And I I sent him something back without even mentioning Michael Jackson thing. And he wrote back to me and said, Hey, by the way, uh, Beard's doing Michael Jackson. They want to let him know that you're. I was like, okay, this is just a sign. I got to do it. So I sent Mike a note. My good got back to me and said, sorry, we already got another keyboard, uh, second keyboard player, but stand by. I said, okay, well, cool. I was living in Atlanta, so. I remember. Yeah. I know. You remember? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then one day, I get a call from him, and he says, uh, the other keyboard player isn't able to do it. He had a contractual agreement with somebody else or something like that. Uh, can you be out here tomorrow? And I was like, Yes. And that was it. I just flew out there, got myself a little hotel and stuff. I didn't really want to um, let them know that I wasn't living in Los Angeles. You know how we do. Right. Like, go where we got to go. And then, exactly. Um, yeah. And then I just was like, yeah, next thing I knew, I had to, I had to shut down in about a week, you know? Wow. And, uh, little did I know what was, what was going to happen. Um, yeah, none of us knew. None of us knew. They were yeah. filming us for um, Michael's daily um you know his daily so we could go back and say uh i like the song in this key or this tempo or this that i like this dance move not that one you know so um because we did learn songs in, in a lot of different keys and different tempos and stuff mm-hmm. as you do um so uh and then little do we know michael uh I, one day i was i was getting ready for rehearsal and i we had just done rehearsal until about a 12 30 at night the day before everything was cool it was like um like i could hear my new in ears and so i like between stuff i could hear michael uh laughing backstage and stuff seemed like we're all we're all having a good time we had tightened the whole show up um it was like ready to go and we were just running through production rehearsal like getting getting through it and uh they cut the rehearsal short i'll never forget it but while we were while we were waiting to do that rehearsal while we were sitting we were, we were all like Normally, um, Michael was running late. So normally Michael was running late. MJ's running late. We're going to do, uh, we're all like kind of, that gives me time to work on my stuff, program a little bit more, tweets and things, this kind of stuff, you know, guitars, guitars to get their guitar stuff together and all that. But we were so uh, confident about everything. We weren't doing anything. And I was sitting on a road case. I, this story I tell a lot. I'm sitting on a road case next to Sugarfoot Martha, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. And... You know, we're, I'm thinking we're talking about like, you know, what kind of stuff we're going to put in our apartment in London and all this good stuff. Right. And, and, and Foot says to me, um, you know, something's wrong. I'm going, what? what he, said, he said something's wrong. He said something's wrong. I'll never forget this. Jonathan Moffat told me, sat next to me on a road case and was like, something's wrong. I said, really? He goes, we're going to need, we're going to need to all come together around Michael. He needs us as a band to be there, support him because something's wrong. He doesn't look right. Um, I put my arms around him. He doesn't feel right. Um, I don't, I don't, they were supposed to have somebody doing his nutrition and they didn't show up and all this kind of stuff like that. So I was like, yo, cool. Count on me. Anything you need, whatever. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, I'm in the game, you know, whatever. Put me in, coach. And uh, the next day when he died, I uh, I was I parked my car. I actually, believe, when I heard the news, I still didn't believe it because, you know, with Michael Jackson, that might have been 
some kind of thing where maybe they were going to take us from some other place or hers and they were just trying to decoy people. Or I didn't, I didn't right. really appreciate that uh, until I got to the Staples Center and I saw the, uh, you know, the police tape and all that kind of stuff. When I walked in, I saw uh, Sugarfoot and he just had his head down and he was just signing in. We were signing in to get in. He looks at me and he said, do you remember what I said yesterday? I'll never forget that. Yeah. Wow. And then we ended up playing his memorial a couple of weeks later at the Staples Center, which is right where we rehearsed, and that was a that was one of the hardest experiences of my life. And I, I think truly his death has like affected me to where I don't even know the depths of how, how much it affected me. It still affects me. Wow. I know, Mo, you, let me tell you. First of all, when I heard you were you know, getting ready to be on that tour, I was so happy for you. I was so proud of you. And then when I found out that Michael had gotten his wings, you know, I just was devastated for you, devastated for us, the world, music. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, and I started crying. You know, my mom was crying. You know, we were all crying. Um, you know, because it's like we all grew up with him. And then I knew somebody who actually was on stage with him. So I felt like, okay, what is it, six degrees of separation? <laughs> you know, this is as close as I, you know, could get to Michael Jackson. So... I, my heart was hurting for the world, for Michael's family, for you. Uh, I just felt, you know, terrible. But I know, but you know what, you should also you know, feel good about it because you were chosen to be, you know, on probably, you know, one of his few the last tours or something before he left the world. You were chosen so that, you know, how special you are to have, you know, just, you know, call Mo. Come on, Mo. You, you got the gig. That's incredible right there, so... Yeah. Well, I'm incredibly honored to, to, to have, you know, I think about that all the time, like, why me? You know, why would, to be in the, right in the epicenter of this whole thing that was worldwide, and, um, you know, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, um, and then the movie, who knew that there would be a movie that came out, you know, uh, yeah. um, so that was, uh, that was really, that was interesting, and it's been, it's been a hard time since in terms of, uh, my tours, you know, and stuff, but, um, I have, it's given me a recognition that's been great, oh, especially, especially overseas. So, like, in London, people know me from This Is It, or from The Fire, and stuff. Oh, so yeah. You know, yeah, people, well, you know, honestly, people know you all over the world, so, mm -hmm. because you are the great Mo Pleasure. Okay, so let's, um... Let's kind of, you know, change it a little bit. So tell me about playing with Janet. Oh, and did you see the documentary? What you thought about it? And would you ever go back on tour with her? And, you know, how was it playing with her? And who else was in the band? I know Sam was in the band. And did you do the Velvet Rope Tour? I know that's a lot. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. Okay. I can all those categorically. No, I, I wasn't on Velvet Rope. That was Sam and Daryl and uh, Will John. Oh, okay. The next tour. Okay. So it was me and uh, Brian Fraser Moore, um, and uh, on drums, Ethan Farmer on bass, and uh, David. David was still on, on guitar. David Barry was on guitar from for all his tours um, around the time. And um, yeah, and uh, and then you know Julie Delgado and um, who was the other? Uh, we had Stacy for a while. Um, uh, on vocals, um, and then we had uh, someone else came in. I just escaping right now her name, but uh, yeah, it was amazing. Um, once again, thwarted another tour that was kind of chopped up by nine eleven. So we, I was in, we were on a roll, and then nine eleven hit, 
Yeah. And I just, uh, Janet didn't want to fly the band overseas and all kind of stuff. So we ended up, um, it was, it was a beautiful tour, but strange in the middle because for, right after 9-11, we would go to the, um, places where we were supposed to play. So say it was Cleveland and we might sit in Cleveland for almost a week and not even play and then go on to St. Louis, you know, going to do the same thing kind of thing. Like there was a big part of the tour that was like, we didn't even play shows. So were you all doing that for safety measures? Why were y'all doing that? All those kind of venues were closed. They weren't doing anything. Oh, you know, okay. Still like, you know, we're terrorists and we don't know what's yeah. going to happen next. Oh, yeah. We had a Janet show one time. I remember we had a Janet show and I went back to the bus and, uh, and I, I, we noticed that Janet had left in the middle of the show kind of in some kind of way where she normally doesn't and we had to vamp or whatever we had to do to keep it going. And then we get back on the, on the bus and, uh, I was talking to our tour manager and I was like, well, I was, I was a show and they said, wow, it was, it was tough because it was a bomb threat and we had to go through the whole audience and get Janet off the stage. And I was, I was thinking, you guys got Janet off the stage, you didn't get us off the stage. Oh my goodness. Now, see, that's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> That's what I saw. I, I think I think they even showed you on stage, and I said, "That's my pleasure." Yeah, you know, that's awesome. Okay, now you did something with her uh, in Hawaii. Was it like a, yeah. a the music that video? Was our last film the whole tour. It yes, was, uh, we did a video special. So yes, it was uh, you know on DVD and everything, and that was crazy. Like um, I remember so many things about that. It was great. But there was the opening gag, as we call it, uh, was her, she's way up in the air, and there's like a, what they call the kabuki that kind of reveals her, you know, and mm -hmm. it's all got to go perfectly tired, so boom, this thing, this explosion, and this, this huge cloth thing just kind of like gets sucked up, and there she is, you know, revealed. Um, and it worked perfectly, Tony, for every night, except this one. Oh, no. And we were... Yeah, so we're there playing the opening, and the, uh, the uh, and all of a sudden I'm hearing in my ears, in my in ears, the, uh, the kabuki's not coming up. It's not coming up. So we're vamping on the beginning of uh, of uh, whatever it was. Come, come on, get up! I think his name was mm -hmm. on. And uh, and just vamping on and vamping on it while they're saying, "Okay, we're gonna stop the show. This is HBO, you know, recorded." Oh my stuff. goodness! Missy <laughs> Elliott's on it. You know, oh. a couple other. Oh my gosh! We had to stop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and they had to set it all back up again. And they, had, they told the audience, "Please act like this is, you know." <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> then, goodness! You know, yeah. It was, so we had like about a half hour or something. We had to start the show again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a trip. That's that's really crazy. <laughs> You know, Mo, you you played, like I said, you played with so many great people, and you're great, and you have the most incredible stories, and I could just go on and on. And I know you pulled over to the side of the road for this, you know, to be on my little podcast. I appreciate you so much, but before we go, I wanted to talk about your label, Water Signs. Are you going to start putting something on, out on Water Signs, on your label and stuff? 
I am. You know, it's funny. I got a little bit. I, I, um, I've taken it over to um, London now. You know, so um, I've been dealing with a lot of talent over there and producing songwriting and all that. And yes, there will water sign will rise again. I just got uh, Tony. I got run over like a truck by a truck with that thing, and it's all the business aspect of it. And I had bad partners and yeah. all kind of things. I still have water sign media and um and it will rise again there's some cool things actually some uh even apps and um and some other cool uh things that have having to do with um online uh performing online together and sync kind of stuff oh wow people with so uh yeah it, it will have its day <laughs> thank you for remembering oh yeah of course i remember i'm like i'm like because i remember you know that that uh cd um, no, the song, the song that you did with all everybody on it, and you let me be on it. It was Peebo, and uh, it was so many people you had on it. Uh, Philip Bailey, and you know, I was singing on it. Uh, uh, did you have Michael McDonald on it? I think I don't know. Yeah, so I mean, I would love for you to put that out and let me be among all those superstars, child. You know how it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Stone. Yeah. Yeah, Josh Stone. Yeah, that was incredible. And I, you know, I thank you for that opportunity. Well, Mo, I tell you what, like I said, I could keep talking to you for a whole nother hour. This has just been great, fantastic. It feels so good to, you know, to catch up with you again and find out all the incredible things that you have going on. And congratulations on your new, you know, your new child, your new relationship, your new life. And I hope just because you live in, so you're living in London most, mostly, right? Yeah, I live actually on the coast of Wales. I live like five oh, hours wow. from the water. Oh, that's, uh, oh my God. Rhode Island. It's beautiful. That sounds beautiful. Well, but I hope that just because you're over there, I, you know, I still get a chance to see you and play with you sometimes. You know, that would be what's up. But, you know, I had to put my little plug yeah, in there. <laughs> you need to come over. I'm, I'm there all the time. I'm, I'm playing this weekend in London. I'm always in London. I got my own band over there and everything. So anytime. Well, now, you know I need to come over there and sing with your band, because I sure will do it. All you got to do is say, Tony, and I'll be there. Come on, come on. Okay, sounds great. Okay, but thank you so much. Now, tell, you know, all your fans and friends and everybody how they can find you out on social media. Well, you know, the best right now is Instagram, Morris Pleasure. Yes. And um, also Morris Pleasure on Facebook, and uh, Mo Pleasure is my fan site. On, on Facebook, we're we're um, we're tweaking our uh, my my own website at this point. So okay, sounds great. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for this interview, Mo. And until next time, I love you. Stay blessed, and just keep going. Oh uh, yeah, good luck with the show too, Tony. It's awesome. Thank right. you. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank okay, you for doing bye. it. Okay. Bye bye. Bye everybody. Bye Tony. Bye. And there you have it. That was a great Mo Pleasure uh, spending time with us, telling some of his incredible stories. It was awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Until the next time, remember, a day without music is unnecessary. <laughs>